We got a lot to talk about. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to Basketballers. Well, there's been a lot that's happened since our last episode, which was mid-round one of the playoffs. Round one has finished. Round two has finished. We are now at the beginning of the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. And before we even get to that, there's a lot to talk about. A lot has been happening in the past three weeks of basketball. And outside of basketball, too, just within some of the team's organizations and some awards that were handed out, to in the last few weeks. So let's start in with some of the awards. So my favorite award, let's start with the Rookie of the Year. We're just diving in. LaMelo Ball. Yep. Which is not my favorite. I'm being facetious because I'm obviously a Timberwolves fan. Anthony Edwards should have been Rookie of the Year. LaMelo Ball is the media's favorite. It's fine. He was. He's going to be good. They're both going to be stars probably in the league. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yep. There is an interesting point that was brought up, and that was LaMelo Ball missed more time than Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid was kind of ruled out of the MVP race because of the time that he missed. A lot of the voters, the media that vote for these NBA awards said, look, Joel Embiid would be my number one. He's missed too much time. Those same people voted LaMelo Ball Rookie even, of the Year, even though, even though he missed more time. More time? Than Joel Embiid. So, yeah. and, and Ant didn't miss any time. I mean, he, Ant was not great at the beginning of the season. His efficiency blew at the beginning of the season. After he, a coaching change great. and the All-Star break, he was really good. Yeah. Oh, he so, was right. Pre pre All Star break, not Lame, very good. Lamelo Ball was a better player. Yes. Post All Star break, Ant was a better player. Yes. And around the All Star break, Lamelo Ball was just hurt and not playing for two months. Yeah, I was gonna say like six to eight weeks. I think it was a chunk of time. He missed a lot of the season. Let's go to Coach of the Year because I don't like this and I just want to get it over with. Um, <laughs> Tom Tom Thibodeau was named Coach of the Year. Look, the media. It goes back to this, as we've talked about, that the media likes to be in bed with big markets. So, Monty Williams should have been coach of the year. He was he's, voted coach of the year by his peers earlier in the, the year. He's the coach of the Phoenix Suns, who we will get to right. later. Coach of the Phoenix Suns, who are, yeah, we'll get we'll get there later. Um, Monty Williams should have been coach of the year. He was voted by his fellow coaches as the coach of the year, which to me is a better barometer than a bunch of media people. Yeah, so it's weird that there's two awards for this. There's the award where the coaches vote for their peer as the best coach. And there's the award where the media votes. And the media votes the one that gets the official coach of the year. And you would think that, oh, I don't know, if like a bunch of their peers vote the one person, yeah. then that would be like, oh, he obviously must have done, he or she must have obviously done the best job coaching. Yeah, like if, if you're in a job and there's a bunch of management above you and a bunch of peers doing your same job, and all your peers vote that you're the best at your job, and the management votes someone else is the best at your job, you would kind of be like, okay, but everyone else thinks I'm actually the best. Like, you know, right? not not screw the media, you know, but do they, it, it's weird there that is they have the bias. official award. There's big market bias too. There, New York. So the yeah, Knicks were terrible last is. year. They were a lot better this year. Um, look, and the, Tibbs did a great job, except they showed in the playoffs that they are not built for the playoffs. Yeah, so the best part or the worst part about some of these awards is that they don't announce them at the end of the regular season. They wait until a little bit into the playoffs. So they announced Thibs was coach of the year. Was it after they had lost the yeah. series to Atlanta? Yeah, so they lost this series 1-4. to four. 
I mean, Atlanta, they didn't trash them, but it wasn't really super close. No. And Tibbs was outcoached by literally Nate McMillan. Like, Tibbs, Tibbs is kind of earning the reputation as a good regular season coach and not the greatest postseason coach. Correct. And it showed this postseason. That kind of, if that was your belief before this, this only reemphasized that. It gave you more ammunition to point to and say, look, Tibbs is good and regular, bad in playoffs, which is a thing. Maybe Doc Rivers even will get into that. But it's just, it's weird that the NBA doesn't announce this at the end of the regular season. It's kind of muted when, oh, hey, you got out coached. Congrats, you won coach of the year. And here's the other thing, too, because like they give a window of time to vote for the media. But honestly, with technology, you should just be like, okay, uh, game number in this year, 72, but game number 82 in a regular season is yep. finished. Okay, media, you have 24 hours to submit your votes for the even, regular season awards. Even even like three days. Sure. The playoffs like, you have right a, You away. have a very finite amount of time. Yeah. And then we announce the awards afterwards before the playoffs begin. I mean, fuck, you and I could set up a survey monkey for free. Yeah. And send it out and be like, what's that? Instant results? It's not that complicated. No. No. There's tons of platforms. It's called... Although the NBA isn't great with technology. We What's, don't need to go down that rabbit hole tonight. Yeah, yes, we're, we're not, not going to get... But maybe that's why. <laughs> Hire so, me for NBA CTO. That's my pitch. <laughs> I know that websites exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other award they handed out was Executive of the Year, which went to James Jones, who is the GM of the Phoenix Suns. Also longtime NBA player. Uh, most notably known for basically being like the LeBron James whisper on Miami and Cleveland. And um, it, it worked. And it worked. So I mean, he was a great teammate to LeBron. LeBron said that he was one of his favorite teammates he ever played with. And yeah. he went to the Suns uh, a couple of years ago, and he has completely turned that franchise around. Yeah. As I mean, we'll talk about later. It's always cool when a player becomes either a coach or an executive, something like that, and they succeed. And they do yes. really well at it. You know, even a sort of... I mean, James Jones wasn't famous. He wasn't like, you know, oh my God, James Jones scored 40 tonight type of guy. But he was still known. He still won a few championships. Right. And so to become an executive and pretty early on to become a good executive. Yeah. yeah. Props. Shout out to James Jones. Shout out to James Jones. Um, Let's talk about other coaches. So we're just going to go through, and I'm not going to go through exactly how you have it listed because there's one that will put for the end for what we're going to talk about next, which makes sense. Um, so we're going to talk about the, the graveyard of coaches. Yes. Coaches this, that have lost their so this, jobs. This so is the, the fun part. So we are now, as of June 21st, into the third round of the playoffs. Is that all it is? June 21st. No, I meant, is that all it is for the list of coaches? I believe so. Okay. I think you're right. It seems so, more, but that's still a lot of with, openings. So we've gone through two rounds of playoffs. Some coaches got fired before even the first round was done. Some some coaches got fired after the team's loss in the first round. Uh, there might be a coach or two that's fired after their loss in the second round. That's kind of to be determined as of this point. But there are some very notable exits from some certain teams. I'm going to start with, um, because it circles back to your Atlanta Hawks. Circle of life, baby. Indiana Pacers. Yep. Let so, go Nate Bjorkren after one season. They had fired Nate McMillan, who is the current interim head coach. Spoiler, he will be given a contract. He will be given a, a contract. A long-term contract to be yeah. the... the um, Literally, the, Nate McMillan is getting paid. Yeah, he, he will be lot. the permanent head coach of the Hawks here shortly. But Nate yep. Bjorkren was given the head coaching job. 
There's a lot of like back and forth on if he lost the locker room, if he didn't lose the locker room, some there stuff were, with TJ. There were Ward. all sorts of rumors going around. Yeah, because because there was a player who had, I think it was elective foot surgery at the beginning of the season, and it was rumored that he got that elective foot surgery then, just basically because he didn't want to play for this coach, which is, I mean, that's a pretty spicy rumor but it was never fully backed up and vetted but it wasn't ever fully denied either it's just kind of allowed to linger and the indiana pacers underperformed they didn't even make the playoffs they weren't good no i mean they they traded away oladipo right was kind of good and then is now kind of bad but they still have (laughs) miles turner and they have sabonis they have good players. Yep. They Although have Malcolm Tur- Brogdon. They Turner have, was hurt for a while. Yeah, but they have Malcolm Brogdon. They have I do like Doug Brogdon. McDermott. They have some good, like TJ McConnell yep. backup. They have some good, solid pieces, and they yeah. just couldn't put it together. A few holidays. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> two holidays. Aaron and Justin Holiday. Yep. Who are both good. Yeah. I'm, so, and, and they had gone to the playoffs four years in a row with Nate McMillan. They had had first round exits every year, which is why they let him go in the first place. But the grass is not always greener. So that's the first exit. Um, one we don't really need to talk about Steve Clifford and the Orlando Magic parted ways um, mutually. I think Steve, Steve Clifford's not looking for a rebuild. Um, and and I, Magic are all in on a rebuild. So, But is anyone looking for Steve Clifford? Probably not either. He'll probably go as an assistant to a, a contender, I would I, assume. I would not be surprised to see him as an assistant to a contender. Maybe the Atlanta Hawks. Ooh. Who knows? Dude, the Atlanta Hawks are trending up. Okay, we'll talk about that later. I Paul. know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Paul's, get, having, I get, Paul's having a hard time I get a little with excited. We'll, we'll I have, get a little excited. My heart starts pumping. That's why I want to run through this, so we'll leave plenty of I'm time. I'm sorry. You said Atlanta. That's kind of your fault. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, I don't. Just back on that. I don't know if anyone's looking for Steve Clifford. Not was, for a head coaching gig, but he's probably he with, like... He's with Charlotte, kind of underwhelming. He's right. with Orlando, who's just the entire franchise He's a good coach, though. I, I think he just probably is either going to retire because he's older, or he'll probably, he's probably just like, look, I want a ring, or I want something, or let me just like be a number yeah. two at a franchise. Because I'm sure he doesn't want to go through a rebuild process, and Orlando is all in they are. on a rebuild. They've blown even, it up. I don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Which... Is I mean that's a rebuild, but it's almost not a rebuild by choice. It's just a rebuild by like we're bad because we're just bad. <laughs> yeah, maybe he just retires. So next, no, wrong which also isn't overly surprising, Stan Van Gundy got let go by the Pelicans. He and Zion uh, Williamson, their star player, did not get along or jive well. Sounds like he wasn't the only player that didn't jive well with Van Gundy, which isn't super surprising. I think Stan Van's probably done coaching, I would assume. Yeah, the um, Pelicans kind of seems like it was his redemption tour. It was kind of supposed to be that. It was like, supposed to be. They, we and got they the, were, the young up-and-coming team. They were supposed to be like a 7 or 8 seed, and they couldn't even beat out Memphis for that. So Yeah. So they need maybe, a new coach, and I there's mean, a maybe, lot of rumors Maybe right the now. expectations were kind of high, and they traded away Drew Holiday, which doesn't help that either. There's a lot of rumors that Zion's not happy, which is not good because it's only after his second year. So I think yeah, the Pelicans he, were like, we have to make a, a change now. Find a coach that'll mesh with Zion, get some other players in. So I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the Pelicans franchise in the next year so they can set him up to sign long-term. I just want a tangent to talk about that for a sec. Because Zion, so he's the number one pick two years ago. He's played a total of, I think it was 85 games, which is three more than a normal regular season. So not a lot of games for the last two seasons. He's been hurt quite a bit. And for that player... To just have the sway already to, I mean, kind of maybe get a coach fired and get himself traded. 
that's kind of crazy. I mean, like, can you imagine if Kevin Garnett went to the Timberwolves and two years in was like, nah, peace. Well, can we table that for a little bit? Because I have an interesting comparison. Okay. Player, player comparison, which I just kind of thought of. Yeah. Anyway, I have, I have an interesting situational all right, comparison. All right, that's, so. a, that's a spoiler then. Let's table that. All right, we'll save it for a spoiler alert. Um. So, uh, another notable one, uh, Terry Stotts and Portland, they mutually parted ways. Which I do believe was a mutual parting of ways. I do believe so, too. And I predicted that a long, long, yep. long time ago. Yep. Look, Damian, Check the tapes. They want to get Damian Lillard a championship. Terry Stotts has been a great coach. It's time for him to get a new gig. It's rumored that he's a heavy favorite in Indiana. Um, Which he has ties to Indiana. So, he does have ties to Indiana. And I will say that the GM of Indiana is – I think I've maybe mentioned this before, but the GM of Indiana is the son of – one of my grandparents' really good friends, Chad Buchanan. Shout out Chad Buchanan. Shout He's out. from West Des Moines, Iowa here. Um, so Chad Buchanan was an executive in Portland, and he's actually the one who drafted Damian Lillard. Shout out to Chad Buchanan. <laughs> Shout so, out Damian Lillard. And he was part of the crew that hired Terry Stotts. He's now the GM in, in, um, in Indiana. In Indiana. So it makes could- a lot of sense. Because they've gone from one Nate to another Nate, kind of underwhelming with both Nates. Time here, to mix it up with a Terry. Well, here's what's interesting. So they have a solid veteran coach in Nate McMillan in Indiana for four years. They're not satisfied with it. They mix it up with a brand new coach. And now they're saying, we need a veteran coach again. <laughs> but I mean, so Terry, Terry Stotts has proven that he can win playoff series. The, the Trailblazers have always been weird because it kind of seems like they've underperformed and overperformed at the same time. It also might just be a situational thing. Terry Stotts may come in and take the Indiana Pacers to a five seed next year. You know what I mean? Like he might, yeah. It might be a spoiler alert: Nate McMillan in Atlanta situation where and that, that's what teams are always looking for right. is that magical coach to come in, turn around your fourteen and twenty team or whatever the Hawks were, and become, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm not sure the Pacers have the personnel for that. But no, but they should make the playoffs with that personnel. They should. They, they, they should, should be definitely. like a six. Like a five to seven seed. I agree. They should be a five to seven seed. I agree. Their, which, which is why it's not surprising that Nate Bjorken got let go, and why they'd maybe want a more established coach because their their team isn't necessarily a young team either. A lot of times you take more of a risk with a younger team. They're not super old either, so they're they're a good age where they're like probably mid to late twenties. Yeah, they've had some years of experience. But you, you get a veteran coach like Stotts to come in, they'll listen to him. But they'll, I mean, Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner—they're all they're all hitting their peak years. And yeah, they, twenty-six to twenty-eight. And they want to win. Yep. I mean, it's really as simple as that. Like, if you don't win now with this team, you're not going to win four years from now. Correct. That is their window. So, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they don't go with Terry Stotts and they go with someone else, but it also wouldn't be that surprising to go with them. And I bet Terry Stotts gets in. There's a lot of gigs open. He gets a gig somewhere, I believe. I think the only way he doesn't get a gig is if he's like, you know what? I've been coaching this team for eight years sure i just want a break take a sabbatical that happens a lot head coaches will take a year because there's a lot to head coaching gig i mean it's a it's not quite around the clock it seems to me that was more the norm though about five years ago where coaches would take a year off it seems to me now more coaches especially coaches in demand will just go to a new team but i i think part of this is what comes up and maybe just because the indiana connections he might take that it wouldn't surprise me if he or this next guy will probably talk about just take a year off. Scott Brooks? Yeah. 
I don't know if Scotty Brooks gets another head coaching gig. Well, he might just take a year off. Just kind of sur- I just mean in survey, general. survey the yeah. landscape yeah. a little bit. I think that makes sense. Scotty Brooks got um, let go. or No, actually, it wasn't even let go. It was a mutual. Well, it wasn't even a mutual. It was they couldn't come to a contract extension agreement. Which is, which is kind mutual. of a mutual, yeah. yeah. So, off the Wizards, which Wizards need a new coach. There are now one, two, three, four, five, six, for sure, head coaching vacancies, which is a lot out of 30 teams. That's a lot. Yep. Um, there might be a couple of more. We'll talk about that when it comes to it, but yep. the what we want to kind of foray into before we talk about the playoffs are the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks. So a very interesting club. What right I will now. start with is this. Their star player, Luka Doncic, who was selected third overall in the twenty eighteen draft. Correct. Third or second? Third. Third. Who is second? Oh, it was JJJ? No, JJJ was fourth. It was... Uh... Oh, it was Marvin Bagley? Yes. Okay. So first was, was DeAndre Ayton with the Suns. Second was Marvin Bagley. The third with the Kings. Yep. Third was Luka. Fourth was Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Grizzlies, who shows a lot of promise. He's just been hurt a lot. And then he's been, fifth... He's just been hurt a lot. Fifth was Trey Young. Correct. So top five in that draft. Luka is kind of like... We talk about the media has their darlings of the NBA. The media... Just fawns over Luca. He's like, oh, oh my so, god! Since the moment he came in the league, and, and we've in Luca's defense, he had played in the Euro League, so there was history. It wasn't like he just came out of Gonzaga or something. He's been he's playing like, professional ball since he was fourteen, and there's a lot yes. of history with Atlanta. I think Paul's explained this before, but um, Atlanta and Dallas traded their picks. It, which, so Atlanta had the the third pick, right? And Dallas had the fifth pick, the fifth and the tenth, right? And so they traded those two picks for the third pick to go up and get Luca. Atlanta got Trey Young and then Cam Reddish with the 10th. So there's been a lot of talk because Luka has developed a little faster than Trey in the NBA. Oh, the Hawks lost to Trey. Da, 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 da. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but a lot of it is because he played professionally since he was 14. Absolutely. Which, again, we're not taking anything away from Luka saying that. Luka's a great player. So the a little spoiler for the first round of the playoffs, the Clippers and the Mavericks played. It went. Seven games, the Ma- uh, the Mavericks lost. Look, Luka was amazing, and that team has a lot of roster issues, so he carried that team. Yeah, he did. He's the, he's the reason that they got as close as they did. Absolutely. So, after that, you would think... So, here's where I'm comparing Zion, okay? We have Luka, who is a young star player, who has shown a lot more than Zion in his young career. Yes. And you would think the franchise would start to listen to Luka to try and build around him and build a winner around Luca, but the Mavs don't really care what he has to say frankly like Luca doesn't seem to have that much sway right now in the franchise which is interesting to me that Zion has so much sway with the Pelicans yes now a lot of that has to do with ownership yep Mark Cuban is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks he's very, an eccentric billionaire and he very has a, hands-on very, and I would even go as far as to say controlling yeah, well, yeah, that was that was implied with very hands-on. So, here's what happened. Mavs lose. Donnie Nelson, who's been their long, long, long-time GM... Long-time GM. ...gets let go. Also, it's worth noting that the Mavs won a title in 2011, which was 10 years ago, which is both a long time ago and not terribly long ago. So, Donnie Nelson was the GM for that title. Also... Their coach, Rick Carlisle, was coach for that title. And Rick Carlisle quit 
He left the Mavs. It wasn't he, even a mutual parting ways. He, it was, had, he had two years left on his contract, and he's like, I'm done. Guess what? Peace out. Donnie's out. I'm out. So there's a guy who's kind of their shadow GM, whose name is like Harlebob or something. No, it's it's Bob um, Bob Vagulis or something like that. So, is there was a really great article in the Athletic about how basically there's this guy named Bob who yep. is it's, it's a just prof- Bob. He's a professional gambler from Vegas. He somehow got intertwined with Mark Cuban. I'm not sure if there's something more nefarious there. There, um, there's but, a joke online that he was the only other one on Cyberdust, which was <laughs> which was Mark Cuban's app that he was pimping for the longest time and no one ever used. So I just, I just love that joke. That is pretty funny. <laughs> so Cuban's Bob, just on Cyberdust and he's like, "What's up, Bob?" <laughs> so Mark Cuban all of a sudden trusted this Bob guy. Bob, who who is a again, he's a professional gambler, has no other experience in basketball. He nope. just liked the sport. He's apparently kind of an analytics guy. Yeah, but from where? Right, like where does that come from? Sure. So he comes to Cubes and he's like, hey, look at this analytics I have. Mark Cuban basically gives him the keys to the kingdom. He circumvents Donnie Nelson, their GM. He gives so much power to this Bob guy. Bob even has um, a say in the lineup rotations. Yeah, so apparently this guy in the organization was giving Rick Carlisle, the coach, the lineups he should use. And Rick Carlisle would be asked about the lineups and he's just like, Yep, that's what we're going with tonight. And he had to. And that's why Rick Carlisle left. That's why he quit. So now you have a franchise who lost their longtime GM, who was a steady hand, their longtime head coach, who arguably at his peak is a top five to seven head coach. So I just, kind of like I said, they won that 2011 title. That title was a great title. Like, every title is a great title, but that one was... But they've also gone to the playoffs how many years? I mean, Rick Carlisle is a... he's. If you have a head coaching vacancy and Rick, Rick, Carlisle, Rick Carlisle is available, it doesn't matter what team you are, you're like, he needs to be interviewed. He's he, a top... He for sure needs to be interviewed. There have, there have been hiccups in his career. Detroit was a hiccup. There have been... Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking more recently of the Rondo situation. Oh, sure. Where he just clashed with Rondo and Rondo... I mean, Rondo's a tough player, but Rondo basically gave up, and a lot of that was because of Rick Carlisle. But... I mean, Rick Carl may not have been wrong in that situation. Yeah, Rondo's kind of an ass sometimes. He is, but he's never just quit on sure. a team like he did with the Mavs. Also, so there was, there was Luca liked there. Rick Carlisle. Yes, and he liked and he loved Donnie Nelson. Donnie Nelson was one of the reasons Luca came to the Mavs. Well, I mean, Giannis liked Jason Kidd also. <laughs> sure. Um, I think Rick Carlisle has a better reputation as a coach than Jason Kidd. Right. I'm just saying sometimes a star player can like a coach and be wrong about it. In this situation, I'm saying he's not. That's, yes. what, that's what I'm saying. Yes. But, and Rick Carl is a proven coach who has won a title. Right. Yeah. And, and so he quit. So the Mavs are basically without a, they're without a head coach. They're without a GM. And they have, in a move of desperation, gone back to their old standby and steady hand, star player Dirk Nowitzki, who retired a couple years ago. He has been hired on as a special advisor. I'm using air quotes to basically help find the new head of basketball operations and the new uh, coach. Yep. Spoiler alert, can I tell you who I think the n- new head of basketball operations is going to oh, be? Oh, yeah. I haven't heard this yet. No, there's there's no rumors or anything. I'm Wait, just telling well, you no, who it's no. going to be. I know what I'm saying. You haven't told oh, me yeah. this yet. It's going to be Dirk. Oh, you think he's just going to hire himself? 100%. Really? Yes. You think he's going to be like, great news, Mark. 
I found who your next basketball ops yep. guy is. And he's like, it's me. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think he's going to pitch himself, which would actually be smart. They kind of need that goodwill because they lost a lot of – well, first of all, the Mavs had a sexual harassment scandal, which Yeah, that, frankly, I'm surprised Cubes didn't get hit harder on that. It was pretty I, bad. It was pretty too. bad. It was pretty bad. But they lost a lot of goodwill with that, and they should have. They should have lost even more than that. But they need to show Luca some goodwill because he – so. Luca and this Bob guy clash super hard. Well, I'm just I was just saying between that that came out and now yeah, all this, sure, it's really an unstable organization behind the scenes. Which is funny because like I think we talked about probably when we started our pod that it's one of the more stable organizations, but yep. a lot of things Turn, have been bubbling. Turns up. out it's not. No. Yep. So it's well, that it's that couple you thought were doing great, and then they just get divorced, and you're like, oh shit. When I talk about Luca though, it's like he needs to be made happy. And it, so and, Dirk and Luca yeah. are close. They played yep. a year together. Yep. And there's that kind of like big brother, little brother kind of mentorship. Europeans. Dirk being the GM or whatever, even if it the ends up not, ops, yeah. yeah, even if it ends up not working out, it's a great, it's great for now to say, okay, Luca, we hear you. We want to have somebody who's looking out for you. It's a trust factor. Exactly. So I think that I mean it would make sense to me for him to do that. Plus, it's the Mavs' legacy. He's the most popular Maverick of all time. The fan base would yeah. like it. It would bring trust back to the fan base, to the broader NBA. Mark Cuban is being looked at help, pretty shitty right now. Yeah, it's a good well, PR move. Yeah, those are a lot of good points. I mean, that makes so. Um, I can't wait till someone listens to our pod and then <laughs> Dirk. Till Dirk, Dirk listens to this. Hey, he's shout like, out Dirk. Okay. Uh, hire yourself, buddy. That's a smart move. Yeah. By the way, if Dirk ever hears this, like, I love you. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Paul that, that's be that's be weird or anything. Yeah, it's a little but. Weird. <laughs> so that's the Mavs situation. Very weird. Yeah, it's not good. I do like your arguments for Dirk uh, to become the director of basketball ops. That makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really considered who would become the director of basketball ops. It just makes sense to me. And, and they're in a weird position because they're in a win-now mode, but they're also in a, we need just some stability. A lot of times, teams who are in win-now mode take a little bit of a chance, but they can't take any chances. And it's also... But under- they usually take more chances with roster than they do with their front yeah, office. And, and their roster is going to go through some changes this offseason. Like, oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't really that good again. Honestly, the Clippers did not play that well. That series should not have gone to seven. The Clippers should have won it in... Five. They right. really should have. I mean, the Clippers just beat the Jazz. The Jazz are a much better team than the Mavs. We'll get into that in a sec. But I'm just saying, they beat the they beat the Jazz in six. The Jazz were a better team than the Mavs, and they took seven against the Mavs. Right. Just a weird series overall. So that's all of our recap. I will just make a couple of ca- uh, a couple of points before we move on to the playoffs. One thing I'm looking for and excited for is so there are six currently. Actually, sorry, seven because the Boston Celtics position is open. We talked about that last time with Brad Stevens stepping up to basketball operations. Yep, he didn't get fired. He got promoted. (laughs) So there are seven. Potentially there will be up to nine open vacancies. I'm going to guess seven or eight when it's all said and done. Yep. I'm really hoping, first of all, that more black coaches get hired, and I think they will be. And second... I'm hoping we get our first woman head coach, and I think it's going to happen this offseason. I'm super excited. There's a, several different candidates for different jobs. 
and, um, they're, and they're interviewing. And they're interviewing. There's like there's three or four gals who are interviewing for different head coaching jobs. I really hope that somebody gets hired to break that barrier. And shout out to all of the the um, women coaches who have been assistant coaches and who have been working really hard to even get in as an assistant coach. That's like oh, a newer yeah. thing too. So shout out because that's super – I mean, it's a huge deal. Oh, it's yeah. It's a huge deal. So I'm excited to see that happen. Could that's it, what I'm looking I mean, out for. Could even be multiple female head coaches. I know. I, I'm thinking – so if I were to if I were to give you a guess, I think we're going to have two. You think we're going to go for two female head coaches? I think coaches? there will be two. Yeah, if you gave me an over-under of one and a half, I'd probably take the under. I know, and, but I think we're going to have two. And say one? Yeah. But yeah, if you gave me over under of 0.5, I'd take the over. I think it's time. Co- it's, it's past time. Their coach, it's absolutely yeah, past we, time. Yeah, we keep retreading these old white dudes, and it's, it's past time. Absolutely. I was I was agreeing by yes, saying it's yeah. time. And we need some and assistant coaches. Like They're I mean, ready. We also need some like black assistant coaches to get hired as head coach. I'm thinking David Vanderpool, Chauncey Billups, Sam Cassell. Nate McMillan. We'll get there in a minute, Paul. <laughs> I know you can't. You can't wait to talk about it. Okay, so shout out to all the coaches who are going to get hired. Sorry to the coaches who got fired, and let's bring up the 2021 playoffs. So, oh man, honestly, Paul, I don't remember exactly where we were last time. We were mid first round. I think maybe one or two of the series had finished. I think Milwaukee had swept uh, Miami at that point. But I'm just going to go left to right. We're going to go quickly through the first round. Top just, down. We're just going to go through who won. So, round one Western Conference, Utah and Memphis. Utah was the one seed. Memphis was the eight seed. Utah won in five games. Yep. And again, Memphis had to play that play-in tournament. So, they were like the 10th seed or something. Yes. And got in. So, no surprise there. Clippers and Dallas. So, LA Clippers were the four seed. Dallas was the five seed. We just said the Clippers won in, in seven games. Uh, Denver yep. and Portland. So, Denver was the three seed. Portland was the six seed. Denver won in six games. And then the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Lakers. The caveat is Anthony Davis has been very injured and LeBron was not 100%. But still. They still won 42. Phoenix won in six games. Yep. First round for the Eastern Conference. Uh, Number one seed, Philly. Number eight seed, Washington. Uh, The Wizards. Philly won in five games. There's really not much to say. Beal and Westbrook got hot for one game. Philly was obviously the dominant team in that series. Yeah, that's just what you expected. New York and Atlanta, Paul talked about it earlier. Um, New York was the four seed. Atlanta was the five seed. Really, they were tied. The records were tied. New York just had the tiebreaker in the regular season. That's the caveat. They had the same record. Atlanta won in five games, and it wasn't really that close. It New really York was a physical team, so it felt closer in games because they were just kind of pushing, literally physically pushing more and, yeah, and drawing were... hard fouls and that kind of stuff. But it, it was never that close. Um, three seed Milwaukee, six seed Miami. We talked about Milwaukee won in four games. That was not even close at all. Sweet. No, that was not Milwaukee close Milwaukee was at dominant. All. And I will give credit to Milwaukee good for them because I actually basically saw someone said, well, Mike Budenholzer, who's the coach for the Bucks, they they lost to Miami last year. In the, and did they get swept? Or is it five games? It was not good. It was not in good. In the bubble. And someone said, well, Mike Budenholzer basically planned the entire, the entire year he game planned for Miami. And it worked, but he hasn't done adjustments for anybody else. So we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, but I mean, he, um, they still won four nothing, and it wasn't even close. No. And then you have the number two seed, um, Brooklyn Nets. Number seven seed, Boston Celtics. Brooklyn won in five games. The caveat for Boston is their number two player, Jalen Brown, has 
had a season-ending injury. Jason Tatum, their star player, played great, and the rest of the roster is kind of shit. So yeah, the one game they won, Tatum went off for fifty, and they barely won. <laughs> yep. And then the other games, he did not go off for fifty because that's incredibly difficult, and they lost. So no surprise there. So the second round, we go into a little more detail. So we'll start yeah, with the West and go to the, the East. This is the fun time now. So I want we'll start with the West because the East was a lot more exciting. Um, it's all fun. Utah Jazz and LA Clippers. Utah Jazz is the number one seed all year. Clippers are the four seed. Clippers lost Kawhi Leonard. He's done for the season. He has an ACL injury. Or I'm guessing done for the season. Prob- most likely done for the season. So the Clippers came back and won in six in- games. And I have to give – look, Mike Conley was out also for the Utah Jazz for most of the games. But, I mean, still, Kawhi was arguably a top three to five at the worst player in these playoffs he was his efficiency was insane he was scoring he was a lot of so points he's playing a defense he was paul so george good. really stepped it up in the second round um, yeah kudos I, to paul george because he played like shit um against dallas and so paul, I, paul george got them that series win yeah and utah was a really good team we talked some in the regular season about the stats and like there's the advanced stats and the eye test the advanced stats were all saying utah is probably going to win the title they're like, Utah is great. They're so good on offense. They're so good on defense. They do everything right. They are, they're not a lock to win the title, but like they are the favorites. If, if you were a computer and you had, you know, you're an algorithm and you were going to place one bet on a team to win the title, you would have placed it on Utah. Right. And they lost in six games. And I want to credit Ty Lue, the head coach of the Clippers, because he yeah. made some great adjustments in oh, game yeah. and game to game. And frankly, in both the Dallas series and the Utah series. Well, so in the Utah series especially. So Utah has a very dominant defensive big man in Rudy Gobert. When Kawhi went out, Ty Lue, the coach of the Clippers, basically said, fuck it, we're going small. Right. Which is sort of the antithesis. Like, they have a dominant big man. The theory is always you need another dominant big man to match up and neutralize him out. It just went really small. And it worked. Like... Gobert couldn't keep up with the smaller guards. He right. didn't. The problem with Gobert is he couldn't punish them on offense either. That's sort of the difference between him and other dominant offensive big men. But because if he could post up and have like a little hook shot or something like that, if he, dude, if he had a sky hook, but any sort of offensive movement, then the Jazz would have won. But he just couldn't punish them on offense. And so they punished him on defense and they won. And, and also. I'm- the Clippers has played really good basketball. Yes. They made a lot of shots. Paul George played really well. Reggie Jackson played really Reggie well. Reggie Jackson. Terrence Mann had like yeah. a 35-point game in game six, basically saved that game. So, like, they they had a lot of good contributions from players. Not necessarily anomalies, but toward the higher end of their capabilities, which is what you need in the playoffs sometimes. And Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz was hurt. His ankle was hurt, but he was still playing well. Mike Conley was out until the final game as well. Yeah. Their starting point guard. And that hurts, but Kawhi Leonard was the bigger loss. Sure, sure, sure. When Kawhi goes out and all the analytics are saying that the other team was supposed to win anyway and the Clippers lost their best player, that's not good. I mean, I don't think that the Jazz are going to fire Quinn Snyder. I don't know what they do. We kind of had this talk last year. They may just run it back again. We had this. Be like, okay. We had this exact talk last year, though. Yeah. 
do you trade Gobert? Do you trade Mitchell? Do you trade them both? What do you do? They don't. They don't have a lot of options. Like their cap space is tied up. They I have think a they run it good back team. this next year, and then if and then at that point, if there's if it's bad, then they probably blow it up. Because they were so good in the regular season, they won the first round in five games. I mean, they did what they were supposed to. It was also against Memphis, who wasn't that good. But they still got it done. Sure, there is something to just even if your opponent is weak, still just beating them up. But I don't know. That's just that is a disappointing loss for the Jazz. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Denver and Phoenix. So Denver is a three seed. Phoenix a two seed. Phoenix, there's a broom coming out. Phoenix swept Denver four to zero. Yeah, and the games were kind of close, but yeah, score score wise they were closest, but they but really not, weren't that close. No, I was I was just gonna yeah. say that too. If you just looked at the score, you'd be like, oh, they were kind of close, but Phoenix was in control the entire way. Um, Devin Booker is coming on these playoffs chris paul's been great chris paul apparently theoretically got vaccinated and got covid so it's it's unclear when he's coming back to the team what the policy is for that and we can even just talk about so right now the phoenix suns and clip the la clippers they're the western conference finals so those are the final two teams in the west they have played one game phoenix won without chris paul and with a Devin Booker just going apeshit from yeah, all over the court. Devin Booker had 40 points, 13 so rebounds, good. 11 assists. So good. Um, Cameron Payne, shout out, who I gave a shout out to, uh, I think, on our, our last pod. He was great. Yeah. He had like 11 points, 9 assists, 1 turnover. Um, he, yeah, he's he started. DeAndre Ayton uh, had 29. Ay- Ayton's been nice. And so so, yeah. so what we talked about, that 2018 draft, that had DeAndre Ayton, and then Bagley, Luka, JJJ, Jaron Jackson Jr., and then Trey, so Marvin Bagley, the number two seed, gets pick. or number two pick. You're right. Yeah, he he hasn't played that well, so he gets called out a lot. Luke, because the number three pick, Luca, has been so good. But the number one pick, it's kind of like, I mean, the Hakeem draft. It's like you have Hakeem and then Sam Bowie and Michael Jordan, and then Michael Jordan. So look at no, Phoenix. No one really. No one gives the Rockets shit for taking Hakeem, and no one's given the Suns shit for taking Aiden because he has been really nice. I'm not saying that Aiden is Hakeem. I'm just saying he has been nice enough to the point that the media hasn't been like, oh, they really should have taken Luka. Let me throw a scenario out there. If Phoenix somehow wins the championship this year, then that pick is great because he's oh. been the third most valuable player on that team, I would argue. Third, maybe, maybe Third, fourth. Maybe fourth. Him maybe and Mikael Bridges probably yeah. are about tied. So that, maybe tied. Maybe tied three. It's really, it's really two tiers, right? You have tier one of Booker and Chris Paul, and those are depending who you ask are interchangeable. Then you have Bridges and Aiden, who depending who you ask are probably interchangeable. Yeah. And then the rest of the team, and that's not to say the rest of the team's bad, but it's really two distinct tiers, and then everyone else. But he's in tier two, and he's making a really good case for himself. So he, I mean, he's been nice. So yeah, I mean yeah. Look, Phoenix is we can and maybe we can talk more about predictions when we when we do the East here in a second. Um, so we'll go to the East. We're gonna start with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So the Brooklyn Nets have been without Kyrie Irving. James Harden was injured for multiple games in the series. Yeah, he was back for game six, but and game five and six didn't. Or no, do a, sorry, game six and seven. You're right. Game six and seven, but in game six he didn't do a lot he was really more a decoy yeah 
Game, game seven, he played pretty decently. So Milwaukee won the series in seven games. Um, look, Milwaukee's looked pretty good. They Drew Holiday shot terribly uh, in game seven until the end of the game with Brooklyn. He made some clutch shots at the end. Chris Middleton made some clutch shots. Giannis has been good, but he still hasn't. Giannis still hasn't proven to me that he's gotten over the hump of not like of fucking up in the playoffs because he's not gotten any better. It's just like the players around him have gotten better. So like PJ Tucker is a, is an upgrade. Drew Holiday is an upgrade. Chris Middleton's playing well. Brooke Lopez had like a super timely block at the end of the game uh, end of game seven. So what what Giannis feels like to me is you know when there's a good player on a bad team like Cat. I'm sorry to bring this up. No, no, no. You're, but, you're right. But they'll say that Cat's basically empty calories on a bad team. So Cat, you know, you'll have games. Cat's averaging a triple. I like where this is going. He's Are you aver- going to say what I think you're going to say? Maybe. But Cat will average 20 and 10 for a season. Sure. But they'll only win 20 games. And they're like. 12. But. but no. But my point is that you'll have one really good player. Yes. In a bad team. And they're like, is this player any good? Or Devin Booker. That for, was the argument for Devin Booker for his first for the five first, years. Yeah, was that Devin Booker wasn't that good. He wasn't a winning player. He just put up a lot of points Same for with himself. Same with Trey Young. Same with Trey Young. And now this year, Phoenix is up one to nothing in the Western Conference Finals because there's a good team around him. All of a sudden, Booker's like a top 20 player in the league because people are like, oh shit, he's actually as good as we thought he was. Everyone else just sucked. Giannis, maybe this is a flaming hot take. I don't know. Giannis feels like an empty calories on a good team. Oh, that's what I was hoping you were going to say. I love it. I love that take. Because it's, he puts up a lot of points. I mean, he's putting up like 30-something points. He plays pretty good help defense. He's a good player, but it still feels like he shouldn't be the number one player on that team. And it doesn't feel like, okay, so. Maybe this is the year that they're like, all right, we're just going to win it all. <laughs> this turns into a terrible take. Let's take the Brook- Let's take Brooklyn as the example because that's who they played against. Kevin Durant. He was the best player in the series, hands down, bar none. It was not even close. It Kevin Durant close. was playing out of this world, out of your mind, like legendary basketball. And the difference between Kevin Durant and Giannis is big. It's not. I don't even think it's that close. No. I mean, Kevin Durant was trying to make an argument for himself to be the number one player in the world. He might have an argument. We'll have to talk to that postseason. He might have an argument. And that that's no disrespect to anyone else, but Kevin Durant was amazing. And also shout out to him for coming off that Achilles, because that's Oh yeah. That's the worst injury to come off uh, of. Shout out science and medicine too. Thanks, science. Thanks, Love medicine. you, science. Yeah. You're great. No, but I mean, so Kevin Durant, like when you watch the Nets, especially with a hamper James Harden and Kyrie Irving out, but even with both of those players, you watch Kevin Durant play, you're like Okay, he hits. In fact, I was watching with my wife, game seven. There were six seconds left, and Brooklyn was down. So so what ended up happening is it went to overtime, and Brooklyn lost in overtime. But Brooklyn was down two points with six seconds left. And I think I've said this before. My father-in-law is a huge Bucks fan. And I actually I picked the Bucks to win in seven. I thought they would win in seven, and they did. But my wife goes, oh, so they're up to six, six seconds left. The Bucks should probably win, right? And I'm like, Kevin Durant is arguably the best player in the world. He's going to get the ball. He will probably make a shot. And he did with like one second left. This crazy, almost like straddling the three-point yep. um, line. Amazing shot. 
And if if he had been a little bit farther back, they would have just won the game. But my point is, impact. And that's where I guess I agree with you, Paul, is that Giannis has empty calories on a good team. Because Giannis really, like his, you look at the stat sheet at the end of a game. So, so sorry. You watch Giannis on the court and you're like, He's powerful. He has he has a lot of physicality. He defends pretty well. He has these big dunks. If, if but you, you don't think he impacts the game that much. And then you look at the stat sheet, you're like, oh, he had 37 points. If you only watch the highlights, you think that Giannis is a top five player in the league. Because all the highlights are him spinning and dunking. What you don't see is when he spins and there's a double team already right there. As the Nets were doing a lot of time when they could. Because that's his move. And they were leaving him wide open for threes. One game, he's, he went 0 for 6 to begin, and then I think ended up like 1 for 8, 2 for 8 in the game on and he's, threes. Yeah, he's a bad three-point shooter, and he's not he's no Ben Simmons when it comes to free throws, but he's not good. Well, he takes longer than 10 seconds, too. I, gar- right. I guarantee you in this Western Conference Finals, there's going to be an Eastern emphasis. Eastern Conference Finals. That's what I meant. Thank you. Eastern Conference Finals. Nate McMillan and the Hawks coaching staff are going to be like, hey, refs, can you count to 10? And they're going to say yes. And they're going to be like, good, do it. Because he always takes longer than 10 seconds. And that's against the rules. Yes, it is. And the crazy thing is, he's not even good. It's not even like his routine makes him a 90% free throw shooter. He's like a 50 to 60% free throw shooter. It's bad. So he takes a long time to do a bad job. Like, just put the ball up there. Just shoot underhand, something. But that's when you watch the entire game and you just... He's good, but he also kind of – you can kind of game plan around him sometimes. And that's been the argument. So, I mean, again, kudos to Milwaukee because the rest of the team has been good. But he he just – yeah. I, again, with Durant, and that's why he's the series, you see the impact very plainly. He hits the timely shots when you need him to hit shots. He makes the plays to win games. Giannis doesn't inherently make plays to win games. He just puts up a lot of stats during the game. It, It is kind of like Simmons. I mean, at the end of the game, Giannis probably doesn't have the ball. It's Middleton or Drew Holiday. And, like, Kevin Durant has the ball. Kevin Durant has the – yeah. You're, you're or, like, get the fuck out of the way. I mean, or work. James Harden or Kyrie because sure. that team was stacked. They were just injured. But, yeah, Kevin Durant will take the ball at the end of the game, and you're like, that is a good shot. Whatever he does, it's a good shot. Kevin Durant could spin around, do a 720 in the air if it's humanly possible. And I think still we've be talked about this before, but like, if I'm picking three players in the league, I'm probably picking Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant, probably for end-of-game situations. For an end-of-the-game, just like clear out, you have clear the ball. Clear out, you have the ball. That's probably my top three. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but that's probably my top three. Those are really good top three. I, I think it's hard to argue against it. I mean... So yeah, he's he's amazing. Damian Lillard is like otherworldly at end of games, but um, Lillard is great. I mean, you could the thing about the Nets is you could almost argue Kyrie was sure great in those situations. Absolutely, too. I wouldn't disagree. And he was just hurt. If Kyrie was healthy, the Nets would have won. Yeah, well, I, and and Harden, and Harden. Either if either one of them were healthy, the Nets probably would have won. So that's that. Now let's go to. Number one seed in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia 76ers against the number five seed Atlanta Hawks. Oh, I'm ready. There's there's not much to talk about, actually. 
<laughs> so all it needs to be said is that the Hawks won in seven. The Hawks games. won in seven games. I thought the Hawks would win in six, and frankly, I thought if it went seven, that the Sixers would win. So shout out to the Atlanta Hawks. Interesting stat: over the past two years, the Philadelphia 76ers have gone eighty-one and nine at home. Eighty-one and nine. That's incredible. That's so good. Three of those games that were losses were in this playoff series. That's really bad. It's great for Atlanta. It's oh, bad yeah. for Philly. And there, there's a lot to unpack from this series. Because, first off, Philly was great in round one. They beat the Wizards 4-1, to one, and that one game that they lost was just because Beal and Russ went off at the same game, and you're like, okay, sure. But they pretty much manhandled the Wizards. And then in this series... They looked like garbage sometimes. It was a night and day difference from round one to round two. I don't know what happened, but Ben Simmons in particular just forgot how to play basketball. Almost even worse than forgot. It's like he chose not to play basketball sometimes. And the more I see about stuff about Ben Simmons, so here's the short story on Ben Simmons. He shot 34% from the free throw line, which is the worst in the history of the playoffs. He was terrible. Garbage. He missed twice as many free throws by himself as other teams did in the entire playoffs. Entire teams. Brooklyn Nets is one of the examples. So, and he also, like, there were a lot of times where he would have an opportunity for a layup, and he would pass. Instead of, like, there's, an open layup, there's just a lot of problems with the game plans. There's, but there's I do... One, there's one play in Game 7 yes, in particular. Toward the end of the game. It was just, is like, the low light of his career. He had a dunk. He had a nice spin move on the baseline to get around, I forget who's it Hawks player was. It was Trey. No, Trey was the help. He got around Capella or something. Yeah, someone. but Trey was there who he had to get past. But Trey was the help. Trey sure. is like 6'4". So a lot, of people thought that, a lot of people thought it was somebody else who was the help, though. A lot of people thought it was John Collins at first, and then it showed Trey was the help. But you can still dunk over... I mean, Simmons is 6'10 and athletic. He can, dunk athletic. Over, he can dunk over anyone. Sure. And he had an open dunk. Yes. No matter who is standing there yes. for the help defense, he had an open dunk. And he passed it up to Matisse Thibel, who's a good player, but was cutting in for an offensive rebound. It was kind of like, uh, what? <laughs> and, I mean, Thibel got fouled, missed the shot, then missed a free throw. And it was just the epitome of the Ben Simmons experience was you have an open shot. As open of a shot as you're almost ever going to get in the NBA. And passed out of it. And in the, in the, in the seven games... In the fourth quarter, so if you combine all, all fourth quarters together, yep, he took three shots, which is so few. He made them all. He's hundred percent. Yeah, that's because they were just like breakaway dunks, basically. So there's the old. I remember who it is. Is it Kobe or someone? You you miss hundred percent of the shots shots you don't take. Yeah. Well, so I saw someone say, "Yeah, Ben Simmons' new new thing is you make hundred percent of the shots you don't take." <laughs> <laughs> So like, but it, but what's crazy is there were like people on the team who took more shots than him. I I looked this up earlier, but it was like Dwight Howard took more shots in the fourth quarter of the entire series. Corkmanaz, um, George Hill took more shots, and Ben Simmons is getting paid one hundred and forty-seven, I think, million He's dollars maxed, in the next yeah. four years. He's getting paid a lot of money. Like these players who are taking more shots in the fourth quarter combined are getting paid like $10 million a year. And he just disappeared. Part of the reason he didn't take a lot of shots is because he was pulled from the game. 
he was not able to play in the fourth quarter because he couldn't make free throws. And because he couldn't make free throws, he was so averse to actually shooting the ball and getting fouled that it was just, it was kind of incredible. You almost felt bad for him. But just the fact that he just self-imploded on national TV in slow motion over an entire series. One thing I will say. So, first of all, I think Ben Simmons is a good basketball player, and I think he's not done. There... He, he will get. He, he has. Will, he has potential. I think he's going to get traded. I think he has to get traded. Um, honestly, I would love to see a team like the Wolves pick him up because he needs to go to a team where his offensive issues can be hidden by other great offensive players, which a team like the Wolves does have. Yep. And they have huge def, uh, defense defensive deficiencies. He is. He was first team all defense this year. He's a great defender. He is. So I've I've heard talks about. D'Lo and Beasley for Simmons, and I think they'd have to throw in someone else to make salaries sure. match. Would you be willing to give up D'Lo and Beasley for Simmons? I don't think it's going to take that much. Um, That's what's going to be interesting. But it if would it, depend, because frankly, I'd rather have Simmons as the four than the point guard. I mean, you can still play point forward, whatever you, works. Yeah, but you can you can do whatever. Basketball's positionless. But, like, I'm not sure I'd give up Beasley and D'Lo. Then maybe I mean it's going to be really interesting to see what offers come out and what Philly's looking for. So the interesting thing is Philly wants to win. Like losing losing to Atlanta in the semifinal, the conference semifinals is a that's a loss for the season for Philly. They were the number one seed. They beat out Milwaukee and Brooklyn to be the number one seed. I thought they were going to win the title. They looked like they were a title contender yeah. in the season. I mean if. If you were to ask people and say, hey, it's going to be Utah versus 76ers for the finals, you would have been like, okay, that's a very wise and astute prediction. Like, there's nothing logistically wrong with that argument. And yet they both lost. And just, but the manner in which Philly lost, like, Embiid was playing on a bum knee, but he was still playing pretty well. He was still putting up his own numbers. He, looked, he, was, he, he is not the reason they lost this series. He had great first halves. Like physically, and then showed that his legs weren't quite there in the second half. He, but he still would put up like 35, 40 points, 10, 15 yeah. rebounds. You could tell he was shooting more threes in the second half because he just didn't want to. His defense was weaker in the second half. But Tobias Harris was fairly disappointing. He was he was fine, but he was also yeah he was but, fairly. Disappointing. But he's also getting paid almost the max, so like yeah. he needs to be. I mean, Ben Simmons deserves some blame, but who also deserves some blame is Doc Rivers. And frankly, yeah. I feel like that's part of why Ben Simmons. Um, didn't do well is because the game plan wasn't there for him. Here's what I will say to finish off the Ben Simmons stuff. I feel bad for Ben Simmons. I think he's a good player, and I think he needs to be in the right situation. Uh, I have to call out both Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. They both basically they threw him under they the threw bus. him under the bus and blamed him for the loss. Yeah, after Game Seven, which is horseshit. It that and was, that is not as a head co- look. That was surprising to hear. So honestly. it wasn't surprising for me to hear from Joel Embiid because that's kind of his thing. Joel Embiid is honestly not to me a great teammate. He's not a great leader. Um, he's kind of he's always been a shit talker. He's a great player, and I yeah. think he's a funny guy. But he likes to be the kind of funny guy on social media. And yep. da, da, da. He's he's a good follow on Twitter, but that doesn't make him a good. No, teammate. I don't think he's, and I'm not sure he's a great leader, and because he needs to he needs to be above it. Shame on Doc Rivers because he's known as a great leader in the NBA traditionally. It is not okay to put it on one player. Like, did Ben Simmons fuck up? Yeah, but you know yeah. what? You probably should have put Atlanta away in five games because you gave up an 18-point lead 
in game four, and you gave yep. up a 26-point lead in game five. That is not on Ben Simmons. That, that is, is on bad. game planning, and that is also on the rest of the players. And look, you had those leads. You were clearly doing something right. Like, you knew how to beat Atlanta, and Atlanta was down players too. Like, even if Ben Simmons is out, they also Danny Green was also out. But Danny Green isn't like, – you're not like, oh, we're at Danny Green, so that's why we lost to the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks are out, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. They were basically out Bogdanovich. Yeah, he was. He, his shot was off because his knee's bad. I mean – Also, let me make a, a point. Really, it's against Philly and for Atlanta. The 76ers had three all-defense players on the court playing in that series, and they couldn't figure out how to stop Trey Young. They put Ben Simmons on him. They put Matisse Thybul on him, and they couldn't figure it out. Also – Atlanta had no All-NBA, no All-Stars, no All-Defense players. Uh, Embiid was a runner-up for MVP, was obviously All-NBA and an All-Star and all that. And they won. So maybe the media didn't get the votes quite right this year? So let's talk about Atlanta for a minute, because we've talked about Philly for a bit. So Philly's going to retool in the offseason, and look... Daryl Morey's their GM, so for Philly fans, which I'm sure no Philly fans listen to our podcast, but for Philly fans who are discouraged right now, here's the good news. You have the guy at the head of your basketball operations who retooled Houston three different times to try and win a championship. He never did, but could, I, I love Daryl Morey. He, he always tries and he makes big moves. So He, he, he shoots his shot. And if, he will. If there's, if there's ammo in the barrel, he's shooting. And look, they might be pissed off at some of the moves he makes. He, he makes controversial moves, but... He tries to win. He does. So... You'll be fine. Ben Simmons will most likely be gone okay, very I, shortly. I want to run a few Simmons trade possibilities yeah. by you quick. Well, let me start with the Wolves because I will say... Yep, so we already ran through that one. Well, I want to say a caveat with the Wolves before you go through your other ones. Okay. I think the Wolves are a real possibility for two reasons. One, Simmons fits them well. They need a power forward really bad, and they need yep. defense. Um, number two, I think... So, Gerson Rosas, who's the president of basketball operations for the Wolves, worked for Daryl Morey in Houston for years and years, so there's a friendly relationship. A lot of times in the NBA, it's about who you know, and if there is a common goal or, like, mutual benefits. Yeah, like, hey, you need this, we need this. Like, you need you need Ben Simmons off your team. We would like Ben Simmons. You can have this. We can give you some decent players. And here's the caveat, Paul. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, the 22nd, is the draft lottery. If Minnesota keeps their pick, it is a top three pick in the draft. Yep. I think that is – so you talk about D'Lo. I think if they get a top three pick, they might put that along with a Beasley and some other filler instead of D'Lo. Maybe you're right. Because then the Wolves are in more of a win-now-ish mode with a Ben Simmons. So that's my but, caveat to that but trade. The, the 76ers are in a tough spot because they have this max contract player at his all-time low value. All time low. I mean, that thing, he dropped faster than Bitcoin. Hey. <laughs> I, mean, I don't me care looks. about Bitcoin. Matt's so. giving me looks. Dogecoin, whatever. He's, hey, dropping, he's dropping hey, faster. Hey. <laughs> but Maury's in a tough spot now where he's, he has to go to other GMs and be like, hey, think of the potential. Look at what he was last right. year. Look at what he was in 2018. Think about that player. Trade for that player. And all the GMs are like, uh, no, dude, we just watched that series where he shot three field goal attempts in the entire fourth quarters of your seven game series combined. And that's where it's like, I'm not sure what the value is going to be. 
But I also don't think Simmons can go back to Philly. I think because I, no, of the doc no. and Embiid comments, it's it's broken. It's done. I no, saw some also, gifs of people being like, like the, it's like people running through a hallway and like Daryl Morey running to the press conference to try and stop Doc Rivers. Like, stop! What are you doing? Yeah, and I mean that the Philly fan base is kind of notorious for being pretty tough on their own players. They would, they're just not gonna support Ben Simmons coming back. There's just there's I no re, there's no recovery from it. I like the Minnesota trade. It's just it's obvious. Sure. You want it? I'm just gonna start with yeah. the next one that I I like the best personally. I think it's kind of an underdog trade. Okay, hit me. I like trying to swap Schroeder from the Lakers with Simmons somehow, because the 76ers need a little more playmaking. They relied on Seth Curry and not Simmons because Simmons was out. Sure. And when Simmons was in, he was just he would dribble the ball up the court and then go to the dunker spot. They could use a little more playmaking. Um, for the Lakers, what you get is Schroeder's kind of made it known he's unhappy with his role there. Right. There, I think they would basically tell Simmons if you want, like if you want to come here, you're the center. You're taking those minutes off of Anthony Davis. You're kind of playing a, a super switchable, you know, four or five type of role like him and Anthony Davis. But that's tough to score on. Yeah. If, if your front court is AD and Simmons and you're switching pick and rolls between the one and the five and that, that's a deadly. And they don't need Simmons to be a super offensive player. AD can shoot the three. He'll post up on the other side. Simmons is also a playmaker. LeBron is doing his thing. Yeah. The reason it doesn't work is it's always you surround LeBron with shooters. Right. Simmons is the anti-shooter. He, he does not shoot the ball except for dunks. So that may not work, but if you use them as a center, because they brought in Andre Drummond. I mean, they're kind of desperate just for anyone to like set a screen and roll to the hoop. Simmons gives you a lot more than Andre Drummond. True. I think that's sort of a risk. I'm not sure what the Lakers get for Schroeder if they just bring him back and they're like, hey man, like, suck it up. You're winning to play a title and you're getting paid 20-something mil a year. You know, just like smile and go win yourself a championship. But the fit kind of it kind of works for me in my mind. I don't hate that as a swing because the Lakers are trying to win. They want to win now before LeBron turns 38, 39, 40. That's old. So they're going to do something that seems like an obvious buy low, high upside. You can sell LeBron on it. Someone else, maybe the Sacramento Kings. They have some decent players. They're like, they have some players you could throw at uh, the 76ers and be like, hey, do you want Harrison Barnes instead of Ben Simmons? Do you want Buddy Heald? Like, any of these players, are they're good players. They're probably upgrades to Simmons, just especially in terms of offense. Maybe that's what they go for, because I think the 76ers, I'm not sure they're interested in the top three pick in the draft. They're trying to win. And Bede's only 27, but... He's kind of an old 27. I mean, he has that the knee problem. He sure. doesn't play a lot. Like His window does not go until he's 35. He's trying to win now. So I'm not sure that they want a top three pick in the draft. I think they want more of a unsexy Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald type. Here's where I would argue with you. If they got a Malik Beasley, he's an upgrade on offense. Yeah, it, it, but Malik Beasley is a proven player. Right. The, that would be with a with a, so it'd be Beasley and a top three pick. Yeah, here's the thing, they Philly made, Philly is made to win now. However, 
This draft is stacked. A top three player in this draft is going to be fucking really good. Because you're looking at Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, or um, Jesus Christ, what's that guy's name? Uh, Evan Mobley from USC Center. Power forward. So three potentially transformative players. And Philly, even though I agree with you to an extent, they're in win-now mode. They have players, young players, who can build that franchise in the future once Embiid is gone. Yes, but Embiid is absolutely their best player. They want Not even close, absolutely. Embiid is the type of player who can take you to a title, which is pretty <laughs> rare for a player. Yes. And so that's why they're like, his window is short. Sure. We need to win in the next two to three years, because that's honestly probably all that he has left in the league. Sure. The fl- so kind of to build on your argument for the Wolves, if they get the top three pick and they trade that and uh, Beasley and some sort of filler salary, whatever, I wouldn't be surprised if Sixers turn around and say, hey, league, who wants a top three pick in this year's exactly. draft? I would not be surprised if they flip that for another, maybe even to the Kings. Maybe like I'm saying, because the, the Kings are so weird, but they're just like, hey, do you want that filler salary and the top three pick for Buddy Heald? And the Kings are probably like, yeah, actually, we we do. Or maybe they even go, maybe they even go bigger, and they're like top three pick and Seth Curry for a star player somewhere. I mean, they could even go all out. It's something yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, depending on how their salaries exactly. work, I've, yeah. I haven't done the math on sure the cap and everything, but or like or top three pick and Tobias Harris if they're looking. I mean, because I think it sounds like he might be on the table too potentially. I think everything's on the table except for Embiid. And maybe Seth Curry, he was their second best player, but like, and, and Seth Curry is not getting paid a lot. Like that is a that's very, it's a very positive asset. I don't, they probably don't get rid of him. Also, he's Doc Rivers' son-in-law. But Tobias Harris and a top three pick, you can get a star player. Yeah, because there there will be some disgruntled team who's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Zach Levine. Zach Levine has also been rumored, not necessarily for a pick in Tobias Harris, but just for Ben Simmons. I don't know about that. I'm not sure if you do that if you're the Bulls. I'm not sure. You, well, the Bulls are in a weird spot, too, because they traded for Vucevic. They were trying to get in the playoffs last year, and they didn't. Nope. It didn't work, and so they're kind of in the spot of, do you run it back? You try, you're try. you not going to win a title. If you don't even make the playoffs, you're not going to win a title with that. Right. So now they're kind of like, do we retool? What do we do with Markinen? Do we trade him? What do we do with Levine? Do we trade him at the peak of his powers, basically, and just try to retool pretty quickly? I think if you can, if you're Chicago and you can get a top three pick for Levine, and maybe you flip Markinen and get some picks or a young player or something. I guess that's what I'm saying in the hypothetical. Think, like if, if Simmons did that. go to the Wolves for a top three pick and they wanted to try and flip the top three pick for someone like a Levine to the Bulls who are going to yeah. be wanting probably a top three pick. Yeah. There's a lot of ifs, but. There, there's a lot there. Do you have another place? Another idea for Simmons? Some Something else that kind of makes sense. Simmons is just such a weird player. Something else that I think would work. Uh, DeMar DeRozan in San Antonio. So DeRozan's, his contract's up, so it'd be a sign and trade. He's not going to get paid, so it'd have to be DeRozan and like a Derek White, someone like that, for Ben Simmons. But, I mean, the Spurs are the team that took Kawhi from a defense only and made him into an all, like, a top three to five player in the league with a really good jump shot. 
they have a really good player development program. So I think they would almost be more willing than other teams to take him on. And DeRozan's a good player. He can get you offense. He can play make. His defense isn't great, but you're counting on Embiid to soak up a little bit of that. You have Thibel still. Tobias and he can do Harris. that. He can take on that one-on-one, like one-on-one role, which is nice. Yes. And Philly needs that, honestly. Yes, and he's not just going to stay in the dunker spot on offense right. and pass the ball. That's a good point. So I I think because De, DeRozan is a set, he is a very good. We are trying to win this year. And we don't really care about four years from now. We're just we just want to win right now. He's a good player, and he does. The problem with him on the Spurs is he was asked to do a lot. He's their best player. If he's your second or third best player, he's a great second or third option. He might also go to the Lakers because he's from Compton. So. He might just go to the Lakers. There's a lot of ifs, but just as far as a trade goes, sure, that's a good idea. It kind of makes sense. I got one for you that yeah. I saw on Twitter. Hit me. Hit me, Twitter. No, you're probably going to hit me. <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks. No. Dude, <laughs> after, after what they saw, they just saw the closest. Can you imagine? No, I saw someone be like, go with me for a second. Simmons would fit perfectly on the Hawks. And I'm like, yeah, no. Because it would take a Collins sign-in trade, and that ain't happening. Dude, there's no The crazy thing is that I don't know. Who would sign and trade John Collins for Ben Simmons? If they're paid equal money, who would you rather have on your team? Oh, yeah, it's obvious. Ben Simmons. Aww. Kidding. But it's it's crazy because six months ago, it wasn't obvious Ben Simmons. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, awkward pause in there. So let's focus. Let's let's shift to Atlanta quick, and then we'll wrap up. But um, I'll just give you my little thing, and then I'll let you kind of wax poetic on your Hawks. But look, Atlanta is a formidable team. We can talk about. Actually, I'll save my comments for Atlanta on the Eastern Conference Finals matchup because I have some thoughts on that. So let's. Why don't you wax poetic on the Hawks from the Sixers series, Paul? I'm just gonna go through this a little bit. The Hawks, at the beginning of the year, they had some pretty good expectations. They were hurt. The Lloyd Pierce, we've gone through this a lot. Nate McMillan came in. But they were not in the playoffs the last three years. They were bad. They had a pretty good team four, five, six years ago. And they'd always make the playoffs. But they were kind of where the Indiana of today is. Um, that's, that's a pretty good comp where they were good, but they weren't ever title contenders. Like, you knew that they were going to be in the playoffs. They even got the I think a one seed one year but they were just never you never feared them and so they kind of did a little retooling and there was some of the empty calories um you know like you're putting up a lot of stats but you're on a bad team talk with John Collins and Trey Young you know the good fantasy player bad real life player type of guy and for them to come out and not only beat the Knicks four to one and that was their first playoff series for a lot of these guys. But then to go on and beat the number one seed, who was near full strength, and do it on their home court in a tight game in game seven, it just it shows a lot of gusto. Like, Trey, Trey in the Knicks series kind of became the villain, and he really embraced that in the Knicks series and kind of went on and did that in this uh, Philly series. He didn't play that well in game seven. And it was kind of cool to see how Kevin Herter stepped up. 
shout out Kevin Herter. Shout out Gallo. Gallo also stepped up pretty big for him. But Trey wasn't upset about it. You know, he was throwing the assist to him. And when it was crunch time, Trey made a really big three. It might have been, it's one of those where it might have been slightly ill-advised because he was shooting so poorly. But you also kind of respect the fact that it's like, you know you can make the shot. You've missed the the previous eight. It was also a logo three. Let's be real. It wasn't just like a corner but, three. It was a logo three. And he, But he can do that. But he just missed so many of his previous shots, but he just has that mentality where it's like, they don't matter. I know what I'm capable of. Every shot has a chance to go in. And made it. I mean, Trey Young has stepped up. It is, he is like he is showing that he was a snub from All-Star. And he is for sure going to be an All-Star next season. There is, there is almost no doubt in my mind about that. John Collins also... There's been a lot of talk about him because he turned down a contract extension. How is he going to play? He's sort of been the opposite of years past in these series because in years past, it was just regular season. He was a 20 and 10 guy, good efficiency. He was kind of the good, the player you want on your fantasy basketball team, but maybe not on your real world team. In this series, it's been the opposite. He's been a better real world player than a fantasy player. If that makes sense. So what I'm saying by that is his stats weren't always the greatest. You know, he's not shooting 9 out of 10 and scoring 14 points on crazy efficiency type of thing. He's uh, not always shot great, but he's made some really timely shots. He's had some really timely rebounds, some putback dunks. Some timely blocks, and he's drawn several charges. He's drawn some charges. Yeah. He's played some good defense. Gotten he's, some loose balls. Yeah, he's, he's really brought yeah. some energy to the team. Yeah. And... It's one of those things where, again, you just want, you look at the box score and you're kind of like, is he that good? Like, who's going to give him a max? But in the offseason, some team is going to give John Collins a max because he is a really good player. That said, he could improve on his consistency. If they want to beat the Bucks, they need the good John Collins around, the one who's shooting 40% from three and not 30%. You know, the guy who's going after loose balls and kind of getting in people's faces. But he's showing it. And I just, I love me some John Collins. Shout out John Collins. He is kind of the heart of the team. I love watching player interactions on the court too. You know, especially the end of the game, the end of the series, who's dapping up who. Some players just kind of sulk off. And they're like, ah, fuck, man, we lost, whatever, fuck those guys. You know, everyone loves John Collins. Yeah. And to an extent, people like Trey Young too. He plays the villain, but people still like him. They still respect him. But Well, they respect the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not mad about it, right? right? And everyone loves John Collins. Like, J- Collins will accidentally have a hard foul on someone. He jumped into Seth Curry last night because he bit on a pump fake. You know, but he kind of patted him on the leg and was like, my bad, you caught me. That was a bad foul. And no one's upset. No one ever rushes at John Collins and is like, oh, man, you really messed up this time. Like, everyone loves him. I don't know. There's just There's something about that that's just – you're a competitor, but you're not an asshole competitor. Okay, so let's we're gonna we're gonna um, wrap things up, and I want to do. <laughs> Sorry, I went a little no, little long about that. Here's what I want to do to end it, Paul. I want to do predictions. So I want to do predictions. We'll start Western, then go Eastern, because you're we'll leave your Hawks for last. Yep. I want to go predictions for the series, and I want to go if you have any hot takes. So so let's we'll start, start. So we'll start with LA for, yep. with the Clippers and the Phoenix, and when I say hot takes. 
just general hot takes about any players on those teams, coaches, anything like that. So, so Phoenix is already up one zero. Yes. So there's a little bit of it's not. Sure. It's not truly. A, it's not a blind pick. I'm gonna say Phoenix wins it. I'm gonna go a little hot, a little hot. I think they win in five. I really wanted to pick five. I'm going six. You're probably going to be right, but I'm, I'm going six. Just because, and the only reason I'm picking six is because the Clippers, Ty Lue, to give him credit, his adjustments Ty. between games have been way better than I thought they would be. So that's why I'm going six. Ty Lue's done a really good job. Yeah. I think it goes five. I don't think Chris Paul plays a game. Because Chris Paul is still out. There there might be a chance if it goes six or seven that he comes back for a game six. He a game seven. To. He may not need to. He may not be able to either. It's sure. It's too far out to be clear at this point but phoenix is they've been playing so well there is something that's just clicking at the right time the clippers are without Kawhi. if the clippers have Kawhi, my answer is a lot different i think the clippers probably win with Kawhi. without chris paul without chris paul yeah i agree but without chris paul without Kawhi, i just think phoenix has a better one through five I mean, I think the Clippers are kind of asking for a hot Luke Kennard, another 35 Terrence Mann point game. I'm just, I think that gets you one game. I'm not sure that gets you four. I don't know. That's Phoenix. I mean, their defense, like they swept Denver. Denver's a good team. Yes. Denver beat Portland four to two. And then the Phoenix just comes in and is like, all right, you want a good ass whooping here? Like four zero. Not even super close. Like, they're just – they have been really good. Booker so, Booker is not slowing down. Mikael no. Bridges isn't. Aiton isn't. Campaign's been and good. And Devin Booker wasn't an all-star either this year. Yeah. No, <laughs> Those the, are going to change next the year. The all-star selections are going to be different next year for sure. Do you have any hot takes about players? you think Paul George is going to drop a 40-pointer maybe? So, I'll save my hot take for – Atlanta Milwaukee well it's yeah it's a player hot take but it's like it's kind of an either or so it's not a let's do it let's get into it let's go so I think I feel like I need a drum roll for this you're you're breathing in well it's very because it's 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 very like a lot of things have to happen but I think that if either Phoenix or Atlanta Maybe even make the finals. Now, if both of them do, then there's a little caveat. I think it's who wins the finals. But if Phoenix or Atlanta make the finals, and if one of them wins, I think either – so whatever it is, so either Trey Young to Atlanta or Devin Booker will become a top 10 player in the league. Man, Trey, Trey Young becoming a top 10 would be – he was like number 21 or something on the ESPN's – Top twenty five under twenty five. If he wins, if he gets to the finals, it's going to be a tough argument to against ten other players he, against Trey Young. Because well, he is for sure Atlanta's best player and has been. Even if he wasn't shooting well, he still controls the game. He get when he goes out of the game. If they ever start going down, he's instantly back in to study the ship. He is their player. If Atlanta beats Milwaukee, it's going to be because of Trey Young. Yes. So if he's gone through New York, Philly. And Milwaukee. I mean, what what else can you do? And that's tough. Something that I'm looking forward to in the Atlanta-Milwaukee series is the Bogdan Bogdanovich. Because 
First of all, he has a hurt knee. I really hope he's able to get a few days rest. Maybe even sit out game one. Just get that knee right. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, Because he was kind of bad in the Philly series for the last few games. But he was supposed to go to Milwaukee. And that trade leaked. It got rescinded. We talked about that before, yeah. Yep, but now it's it's like the mini series, right? So what's your pick, Paul? My heart says Atlanta. My brain says Milwaukee. Okay. In how many games? My brain says Milwaukee in six. My heart says Atlanta in four. <laughs> so my so my brain and my prediction and my heart. My brain says Atlanta in six. And here's why I'm picking Atlanta to beat Milwaukee. And to me, it's pretty simple. Look, I think defensive matchups from Milwaukee to Atlanta are going to be tough. Um, You have Drew Holiday. You have P.J. Tucker. You have Chris Middleton. They're big. They're long. Yep. But here's the deal. Yeah, I mean, Drew's going to be checking Trey. But the point I just made, Paul is that there were three all-defensive players on Philly, and they couldn't fucking stop Trey. Even when Trey was shooting like shit, they beat Philly in Game 7. And And Trey Young, by the way, he had a shooting slump in Round 2. That's not going to continue for very long. No, that's true. So He's going to get hot for a game or two. And when players – trends just happen. So when players have more games to play, they may trend down for a few games, but they trend up. He is about to trend up. My prediction is he has some big games. And the, also, the Hawks' confidence level—they weren't supposed to get this far. No, they're just playing with house money right so now. So then let's go. Let's go to this. Hawks are deeper, way deeper. Milwaukee—they missed Dante Divincenzo. They go seven deep, maybe. Connaughton, Pat Connaughton's their sixth man. That's weak. Look, they have a good team. Giannis is obviously great, and they don't have uh, Atlanta doesn't really have an answer for Giannis defensively. They're going to do a lot of help. They're going to put a lot, do a lot of double teams, but they don't have a great answer. However. They have their starting five on Milwaukee, and then who? Pat Connaughton and who? They don't. They're not playing Bobby Portis. They're not. They're going with a really condensed lineup, yep. which gives the opportunity for more injuries to happen. They have yep, some old, like PJ Tucker's older. Drew Holiday has had injury issues in the past. So I mean, the good news for Milwaukee is they rolled the Heat in round one. They only played four games, but they went to seven. And Atlanta only played five games in round one. And Atlanta's young, and Atlanta has. So you talk about Bogdanovich. But they also have players they haven't even played on the bench, like Tony Snell and Solomon Hill are both good wings that haven't gotten like any playing time. Solomon Hill especially has been solid. Yeah, I mean, is if Bogey's out in game one and Solo takes his minutes, that's not great, but it's sustainable. And they have better front court depth in Atlanta. It's going to be interesting how the lineup is because Brooke Lopez kind of almost lost them the series against Brooklyn, but Bud was very insistent, their coach, on playing Brook Lopez. So, here's the other thing. Trey Young may take 10 floaters a game because of their defensive scheme. So, I've already seen that talked about, that because of Milwaukee's defensive scheme, Trey Young is going to have crazy opportunities to get in the lane and have floaters. And his floaters in the playoffs have been money, money, money. And Lou Will, too, backing him up. So, here's the other thing. And to me, this is the number one difference. And I look, this is my reason I picked. I picked Miami in the first round, and I was totally wrong. But okay, it happens. <laughs> but coaching, Nate McMillan. This is not a hot take. I don't think he outcoached Doc Rivers in that series. Just plain and simple. Nate which, Mc- which again, six months ago would have been crazy talk because he wasn't even a head coach. Nate McMillan is calm. 
He's focused. He has a game plan. Calm, every, cool, and so, collected. Yeah, that's his. That's his kind of catchphrase. Yep. But and every he, time if, he lives it. So if you notice in in games like in the Philly series, so there would be maybe a foul that was being um, looked at for a flagrant foul. Doc Rivers and and all those guys would be yamming at the refs and yapping and. Rah, 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 rah. Nate McMillan would have the entire Hawks team in a huddle drawing up a game plan. Mike Great. Budenholzer is not that good of a coach. I'm sorry. He's luck. Like, this Milwaukee Bucks team, the best thing that could happen to them is they lose this series, fire their coach, pick up someone like a Rick Carlisle, who'd be perfect. Yep, and it's kind and of rumored there. they probably win the championship next year or get close because they are – a lot of teams are a player away from a championship. I think they're a head coach away. That's my personal opinion. It's been for a couple years. If there was ever a time where a coach could win a championship and still get fired – It's now. It would probably be this because – the Bucks could look and say, well, you won the title, but everyone was injured. It was kind of a fluky season again. We were just one of the most healthy teams. Really. And we don't like you anyway. And we were going to fire you. Like, thanks for the championship, but we're going with Rick Carlisle. Right. Which would be kind of crazy to fire a coach after winning a title. But, yeah, it is. But a... Bud's on some thin ice. And so I, I think Nate McMillan, I just he's a better coach. And especially, look. Mike Budenholzer is a good coach from an X's and O's perspective. That's been his kind of thing in general. Like, but in games, he's not he's not good with in-game adjustments. Nate McMillan is showing he's really good with in-game adjustments. Really yeah, good well, with game-to-game adjustments. A lot of the criticism that followed McMillan over from Indiana and even Portland hasn't shown up. He's it seems like he's learned from his past. It was mistakes. game two. Yes. Of the New York series. The one that they lost. The one that they lost where we're like, oh shit, this looks like old Nate McMillan. And he, guess he what? Left, he left some players in for too long. It they never lost, happened again. They lost the game. He coached the entire series. I mean, like the three games they lost in round two against the 76ers wasn't on McMillan. We were never like, oh, the wrong players are in. He's not doing this right. It was bad shooting. It was just it was bad shooting or is just Embiid being beastly most of the time, really. So. so I'm picking Atlanta in six. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong, but I hope you're not wrong. I'm either. going with it. I would be. I am going to be very curious to see what kind of defense the Hawks play because Giannis loves getting to the rim. Capella's a good rim protector. I almost wonder if they do some sort of drop coverage, kind of like the Bucks normally run with Brook Lopez. If they do that, they just only try to keep Capella back by the rim. You know, kind of like how. John Collins was playing Ben Simmons in the last series. Yeah, if they just play Capella like that against Giannis, well, they're they, like they might because that's all Giannis is going to try and do, and he doesn't and, have a three point shot. No, Ben Simmons just would not shoot the three. Giannis will shoot the three, but I think if you lose a game because Giannis shoots five for eight from three point, you're kind of like, all right, let's take our odds next game on that because next game is going to be one for eight. Right. So. I, it's just going to be interesting. Do you do you play up on him? Do you play him? Maybe they just even put John Collins on him and just hang him back and say, hey, remember Ben Simmons? Remember your old bud? Do that exact same thing. Just if he drives in, body him up. If he stands outside like the free throw line, just let him shoot it. Who knows? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting matchup. And whether that changes between the whole series, you know, if he goes five for what, eight? behind the line and they mix it up a little bit if he doesn't they keep it milwaukee stops playing brooke lopez they play bobby portis maybe they mix that up a little bit it's going to be an interesting series of adjustments kind of like we were talking coach bud maybe isn't the best at that but his his career is 
kind of on the line here. Also a fun note is Coach Bud used to be the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Back in those series that I was talking about back in like 2015 through 2017. Right. 14 through 17 maybe. He was their coach where they were always good but not feared. And now he's got a, a better team in Milwaukee and they're they're feared more. Fear the deer as they say. But if he loses this series to the Atlanta team that he left a few years back. Yeah. It's going to be poetic. It's going to be like, hey, we're better off without you actually. And sorry about getting you fired. Give me a fun series. We're going to be watching every game of that for sure. We're going to be watching every game of the Clippers <laughs> yeah, Phoenix also. Yeah. Tonight is the first night I saw in 35 days that there hasn't been an NBA game. It's crazy. So, look, it's been great playoffs. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry to everyone else in our lives that we've been ignoring yeah. for the last 35 days. Look, I know we've had it, uh, kept it long tonight, but I, I just I want to close with this. One thing I love about the Final Four teams uh, in this series, because I don't think we'll have this next year, I just, I'm already predicting that it's going to be the Lakers versus the Nets in the finals. Everyone will be healthy next year. We are so lucky that we have – so the team in the Final Four that most recently won a championship – was the Milwaukee Bucks in 1971. Before that was the then St. Louis Hawks with Bob Pettit in 1958. Neither the Clippers nor Phoenix have won a championship. Thank God for some parity in this and because that, it's always the same fucking teams. That is a crazy fact. I love it. So I'm so happy this is our final four teams. Yeah, They're both great matchups. And the Hawks was in the ABA, so whether you want right. to count it or not. They still technically count it, but... But Look, it, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited. I think it's great. I think both series will be good. Um, I think the finals, no matter who it is, I think the finals will be really good. Oh, yeah. I just I hope everyone stays healthy because yes. every series there's been some injury. It's a hamstring that's pulled. And, like, a, pretty big injuries. A knee that's hurt. Yeah. Yep. Um, thankfully, it doesn't seem like there's been a – it hasn't seemed like ACL, although Kawhi just hurt his ACL. Let's just not say anything else. So we don't, yeah, like, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anybody. It. But uh, anyway, so that's that's all we have. Um, we'll probably not do another episode till after this round. We'll preview the finals, and then depending on our schedules, we'll try and do like we did last year, and maybe do a, a, a finals recap after each game. We may not be able to do it after each game, but we'll try and do it as as much as we can. We'll be watching because that was super fun last year. So um, until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Basketballers.